This episode of The Only Podcast About Movies was recorded a little differently. Shahir was in his closet, I was in a bunker in Maine, and our guests were over in L.A. So if you hear any, I don't know, pops, whistles, bangs, you know, things going on in the background, etc., we hope you'll accept our sincerest apologies as this episode is fucking great. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Daddy, you've got some embalming to do. My name is Matthew Kroll. And they look like they're dancing for dollars. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Miss Juneteenth. Now, Shahir, every so often, our podcast, uh, our, 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 our moniker is, is proven, is, is tested, I should say. Um, due to various wonderful guests we have on, uh, and we have to make up some excuse how it's like different dimensions or, you know, Marvel DC crossover sort of thing. Uh, and our guests today are no exceptions to that, uh, fake rule we have to break. It seems like the rule is that there are a million other podcasts and everything we say is horseshit. Uh, oh, that could be. <laughs> Keep it real. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Starting out strong. We are very pleased to have on this episode, this quarantine special. This is our, only the second episode we've done with guests, so feel very honored about that Aww. oh i do um, i do yeah <laughs> i was gonna say it was the first but i realized as i was saying it that you were the second uh we're <laughs> wow. very thrilled to have back on the show mr ron milligan there, mr ron milligan i know i was like why am i missed <laughs> why am i he yeah, is Mr. pretty we're all from yeah. two teams we're all missed for us okay we're all, okay, <laughs> we're all, yeah. we're all gonna be missed right now <laughs> okay uh of the uh, wonderful Black Man Can't Jump podcast, Black Man Can't Jump in Hollywood. Yep. You are in Hollywood right now, which yes. is interesting. You could jump for us, I guess, but that might be rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also of the Astronomy Club on Netflix, which uh, has been getting a little bit of revival since all of you guys appeared on the Fallon show recently, which is where, if you haven't watched the show, you might have seen them uh, pop up, but a fantastic show that we encourage all our listeners to go out to. We're also joined by the lovely Rachel Edwards, a producer with whom I just recently worked on a Juneteenth special. So we're kind of really fortunate to have both of you in the same room together. Welcome, guys. We've been doing a lot of Juneteenth. Like the Fallon thing was Juneteenth. Rachel's, first off, the graphics you made for Rachel's show was Beautiful. better than the graphics you made for my show. So, oh no, I waited. I waited purposely for this podcast to have this in, discussion. In Shaker's defense, I think I, my information was a little more um, organized. Yeah. Wow. For him to understand wow. the vision in which we were trying to convey. Okay. But yours ended up being really beautiful too. Shahiri did a great job on both. <laughs> wow. Well, you guys produced both these shows. Just to give the audience some context. Yes. I oddly I ended up working with both of you at the same time while you guys are quarantined together. So I would have these meetings where I'd be like talking to Rachel about the uh, Juneteenth special that we were working on and just having to just sort of say, hey, is Jarrah there? Could I ask him a question about the, uh, the Juneteenth special that we were working on at the same time? Just pass the phone over. Listen, the whole Not family a- eats. Like, yeah, that's like, like we got the shows like, oh, we got to get you here on it. Yeah. Like the whole family got to eat. That's how we do Everyone's it. Everyone's eating. Yeah. Uh, so we're really thrilled to have you guys on this. Yes. Um, I mean, how is quarantine? Quarantine treating you. How are you guys holding up? Can you go first? Uh, I, I'm losing my mind half the time. I, you know, I feel like it's quarantine. It's the cops. Yeah. It's like it's, it's the state lot. of the world. It's just like it is. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's like an onslaught of like today could be a good day, but tomorrow yeah. could just be a 
a weird day, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah, when the murder hornets turned up, I was like, well, you know, and then when the new pandemic turned up, I was like, well, here we right, go. Right, right. I'm kind of getting used to it, I think. Or the dust storm, or then, like, I feel like even news outlets now are just looking for other fringe horrors to throw at us. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen, like, three articles about, like, meteors that are, like, coming close to Earth, and it's really, like, you know, four million miles away. They're like, well, it's cosmically close, and I'm just like, I can't, just stop. <laughs> I mean, this is the time where I keep thinking about if this was a movie, this is the moment where something drastic happens. Either oh, we are in the second act right yes, now. Yes, this 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 is the moment where like, oh, little did they know the world was going to freeze over or a war started that yeah. like but this is this is it. Like this yeah. is the time. Right. And I just have no idea how we're going to come out of it because you know, I, I don't know if you guys are political podcasts. I know Black Men Can't Jump, we claim not to be a political podcast. But we're dealing in a world where a president will not acknowledge that a disease is killing over 100,000 people yeah. in his country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's virus. insane. Sorry. Uh, fun no, fact, we, fun we fact about the times. We absolutely do lean in. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. That's Matt. sorry. I was going to say, fun fact about the times that we live in now, everything is political. And yeah. it, it, which is, again, I, it's almost like, you know, on one side of it, yes, of course, it's tiring. But on the other side, it's always, always been political. And now we're just more sort of mm-hmm. aware of it. So, like, we are a movie podcast, of course, but we go pretty into uh, the politics of, of the world currently, because how can you not? Uh, right. It's it's uh, it's fucking insane. Um, and uh, I'm not sure how wearing a mask became political, but please, oh, if you're out in public, we're a goddamn mask. I know. Like, it's not that hard. It's, it's, it's really not that hard. Ugh. It's like, I'm also, looking at people not wearing masks, and I'm like, Pence is finally wearing a mask every now and then. Yeah, and, and right. it's, it's like, dude, isn't it, doesn't it bother you that not wearing a mask could kill you, and the people you turn to don't care that you're not wearing a mask? Like, is, isn't that Now you're weird? exposing them, potentially. It just yeah. it baffles me that like we just can't agree on one thing. Like we can't agree sure. that this pandemic exists and we can't agree on wearing a mask. We can't agree on washing our hands. We can't agree that we need to stay home for a second. I just I don't get it. Like I don't get why we're so divided on things so huge and also very little. Because uh, yeah. people, people people are horrible and lazy. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good summary for sure. <laughs> I mean, it is well, funny, though, that now we live in a world where people are learning that's what I will say that I'm happy about. People are finally learning American history. And yes. I think I learned a lot of American history because I went to a black school and mm. I studied uh, world history in high school, college. And like now the fact that people learned about Tulsa, Oklahoma from an episode of Watchmen, Watchmen. Yeah. you yeah. know, people are now learning what Juneteenth is and not just white people. But I know I had some black friends who didn't know what Juneteenth was. I mean, I it's was the- one of them. It wasn't until like really? my adult years, yeah, where yeah. I think Gerard actually told me about it. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. And I was like, oh, why isn't, first off, why isn't this a paid company holiday? This is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I want a Friday <laughs> off leading the, in. The- the crazy thing is, and it's something actually we've been uh, trying to do over at the the YouTube uh, place I work over at Extra Credits. We're doing a, a series on basically like both uh, positive and horror stories uh, of of Black history in America, uh, written by Stephen Van Patten. You both know SVP, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stage manager over at MTV, but he is also a, a horror writer of, of like some acclaim. Yes, yes. He, he's writing the series for us, uh, basically, because you know, as draw you just said, like, oh, you, why, why you knew about it, per, perhaps. But when, like, in my school in in New Hampshire, and most of the entirety of like public schooling in the United States doesn't teach this. Yeah, completely. And any, like, I love that more outlets are now 
just being yeah. like, nope, <laughs> like this is how it's yeah. like, sh- talk about all of the things. Yeah, it's so uh, frustrating that it took this, like literally the world burning down and like a world pandem- pandemic for us to learn certain things. You know, we were so deprived of our history. It just, it, and then to your point, like there are certain things that we learn in school over and over and over again, but we're not, I don't know, we're not diving deeper into, yeah. um, and even something that deep Juneteenth into topics that we yeah. should, you know, yeah. we're in school on June 19th. Because Tell me about I it. Think, I think the history of the world is like, no one wants to be the bad guy. Whereas like, you know, America was the bad people in the mm. American war. Notice I said American war, not Vietnam war. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when you think about a lot of things that happened here in America, what happened in Tulsa, for instance, happened in 1980 in Philadelphia when mm-hmm. the police yes. literally yeah. blew up. They bombed a, they bombed a, a, a block. block. And the yeah. thing is, like, yeah. that is someone's parent. That is someone's yeah. grandparent. That is someone's cousin. What you're now doing is you're now telling people to readjust every memory you've had of your right. family members. <laughs> um, and that is a very hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I get that. I guess I just hate that you guys can teach us about uh, slavery constantly, you know, like at every... Every February um, in school, you learn about slavery, but you can't learn about these other things um, like that. We once had a black Wall Street, et cetera. So we can feel more empowered and less inferior at the yeah. age of what, like six, you learn about slavery. And then yeah. your white classmates look at you as that and you see yourself as probably inferior. So it's um, it's just unfortunate. And also well, the, the, the way that they deal with with slavery. Again, I can only speak for my educational the system uh, yeah. in southern New Hampshire, but like the way they deal with it is so truncated. Mm-hmm. Like they they bring it up, they talk about what it was, and then uh, Lincoln, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. The end, and you're like, yes, yeah, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, also, you, Martin it, Luther King. <laughs> like, wait a minute, that's, also, it? that's all I know about me. Yeah, and like, and like, and now it's over, about. and it's like, no, it's fucking not. Like, <laughs> right? <what's, laughs> but exactly. like, yeah, it's they it's, don't talk uh, about how people hated how the government said he was like a threat. Yeah. To uh, yeah. national security, like no one yeah. talks about that now. And more importantly, how there are systems still in place to enslave us in other ways, like that it still yeah. very much ex- much exists. Uh, I mean, two of the the the, the uh, photo that went around uh, a couple of weeks ago that I was kind of my mind was blown about was uh, Ruby Bridges, who was the young girl in that oh. famous photo of a, a school being desegregated and having to walk down the the aisles with security. You know, that mm-hmm. woman, Ruby Bridges, is only sixty five years old, mm-hmm. so. You know, the the desegregation process didn't happen very long ago at all. In fact, in one generation. Um, The second thing that I uh, that it wasn't intentionally a prompt for this, but this was something I definitely texted Rachel uh, immediately after we'd worked on this show. Uh, But that is one from the quote unquote president of the United States who in an interview with The Wall Street Journal uh, was being asked about the, his uh, re- rationale for having a rally uh, on June 19th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and then deciding to change his mind because uh, it was raised to him that uh, that this may be an insensi- insensitive uh, uh, act. Uh, Trump retorted with, and I quote, mm. I did something very good. Mm. I made Juneteenth very famous, Trump told the newspaper. It's actually an important event. An important time, but nobody had ever heard of it. Now, I'll continue on with this for a second. Uh, the Journal reported that Trump had said that he had many people around him. Uh, he asked many people about uh, the holiday, and they had none of them had heard about Juneteenth. He then paused the interview to ask the aide if she had heard of Juneteenth, and she pointed out that the White House had issued a statement last year commemorating the day. Trump responded with, oh, really? We put out a statement? The Trump White House put out a statement. Okay, okay, good. 
So this question of understanding, knowing our history, uh, and being able to reflect upon our history um, is a really interesting conversation, and not necessarily the reason why we wanted to do Miss Juneteenth because of the title, but I had heard very good things about it. But I think this ongoing conversation around how do we remember our past, and at which, uh, at which point are we willing to acknowledge the horrors of our past versus celebrating our past? And Juneteenth is a really interesting holiday in that respect, uh, because on the one hand, it is a celebration. It's mm-hmm. a it's a great day. It's a lot of fun. But on the other hand, it is a commemoration of you know the end of slavery. And I found this article by Jelani Cobb. I'll just read a couple of um, a little couple of line from here. But this, this one really struck out to me. Jelani Krob wrote this uh, for The Atlantic, I believe, which was, Juneteenth exists as a counterpoint to the 4th of July. The latter heralds the arrival of the American ideals. The former stresses how hard it has been to live up to them. And with that in mind, I kind of, you know, again, I come from New Zealand, Fiji. Before that, you know, um, my, uh, we come from an island nation where we had indentured laborers, um, and certainly, you know, our own form of uh, historical atrocities. Um, but I was curious how you guys felt, uh, you know, we've kind of been talking about it already, the the way June either Juneteenth has been represented, you know, as recently as something like in uh, Donald Glover's show Atlanta to this film, or, you know, the way, uh, I guess the way you've been thinking about blackness on screen, you know, as we've been dealing with the issues that we're dealing with right now. No. I mean, I, to me, it's, it's very interesting because, like, hold, let me do the math real quick. Um, so Juneteenth was <laughs> really in 1865. 1865. Yeah. Two years after. This is the thing I think people really don't understand. is like, yeah. it is a full two years after um, the South lost the Civil War. Now, mind you, the reason it took so long is because um, clans people, uh, uh, the Confederates kept killing messengers before they could get to Texas, which is why the Union sent a full ass army to make mm-hmm. sure the message was delivered. Mm-hmm. Because by the time they could get there, all the slave plantations that were in um, Florida, Georgia in particular, Mississippi, all started migrating their slaves to Texas. Like that was the last frontier. And that happened, what, 1865. The Declaration yeah. of Independence was July 4th, uh, 1776. Mm-hmm. So mm. that means it's a full 89 years before the people, all people who lived on American soil were actually independent and free, which to me is just an explanation of what America is. And this is the mm-hmm. thing, like, I am very happy to live in America, but I will tell you this, I know that America don't fuck with me. I know it doesn't mess with people who look like me. I know that the same thing I'm talking about is the same thing my grandparents discussed in 1965. I know it's the same thing their parents discussed in the early 1900s. I mean, the thing is, is it's it's almost laughable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the Juneteenth, I actually listened to, I just um, was walking back to the house before this. I listened to Trump's um, June 20th um, rally. First off, yeah. my man calls it a rally, y'all. Like, mm. he calls these things rallies. You know who else calls shit rallies? KKK rallies. You know what I mean? So, again, let's put that in perspective. Two, in this in this speech he gave, he talks about how the far left are trying to erase our history. How they're trying to tear down, mm-hmm. and I can't quote this, our beautiful statues. Yeah. Now, this is my thing. These beautiful statues are statues of uh, Robert E. Lee and people like him. 
Robert E. Lee fought to keep people who look like me a slave. That is what the Civil War was about, slavery. Um, and it is almost like, hey, I want to keep up this statue of the person who fired my family, assaulted my wife. I want that statue in my yard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want you to I want to always be reminded of the people who tried to keep me in shackles. And it's funny because I think it's the ignorance. I think I've seen um people who love the Confederate flag like this is this is my history. This is this is my my family standing up for what they believe in, but these people don't understand that what they were standing up for was the right to yeah. have slaves because they had free labor for yeah, so right. long. So some of them and, too are robbed of their history and need to actually learn it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing. Well, the, the 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 man, the the statues, the removing of the statues is insane to me because, like, everything you said, Jira, that's that's the 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 main sort of pillar of the entire thing, and then you sort of spiral off that, even trying to get into these people's heads. Uh, when so so you look at this, and even from even from like a, a Trumpian government sort of bullshit side uh, mentality, the Confederacy. We're still traitors to the yes. United mm-hmm. States of America. So, <sighs> so, so your the people that are celebrating it as heritage are technically celebrating treason. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, cool. And then on the other side of it, this history, this rich history that can't be forgotten. Oh my God! If only we hadn't forgotten about Hitler in Germany after they didn't have any more pictures of him around, or like, well, or Stalin, or any of this shit. Like, well, difference is different though. People can point at Hitler because Hitler is not American. Hitler is a white person, just like why all these white savior movies exist. It's like I can point to this white guy and say that white guy is bad. It is hard to point at your mom or your dad, or your grandma and grandpa, and be like, oh shit, they are bad people. True, 100%. I'm sorry, I meant more from (laughs) Germany's perspective. I should have been more clear. Like, they're not having statues of them around. Yeah, Germans took all of that down, but then also educated their, their, in their school systems about Nazis Mm -hmm. and about what happened in hopes that it would not happen again. We Mm -hmm. decided, oh, let's, oh, that's, oh man, that makes us feel really uncomfortable. Let's not do that. And I think that's one of the, one of the other things. And the the third and final pillar of this madness is the Confederacy was like five and a half years old. Dog, nothing. Like a a trillion things are older and more uh, historically relevant to their fucking (laughs) bed. Like it's insane. It's insane. I know, but it's also like, and and, you know, just to move on soon, it's just a funny thing where you think about the Confederacy, you think about these statues that exist and you think about where we come how far we've come in America, right? Mm. Like the fact that these these sanctuary cities, New York, uh, you know, Los Angeles, Atlanta, these places exist, but they don't even have as much voting power as a rural town mm. that has a quarter of the people that live in New York City. Um, mm. And I think the thing that's very interesting is that we have people now, because money is so scarce, that it is easier to use race than class against mm. each other. Like for me, it's like I grew up in the city. My parents right now live in the country. And the thing that frustrates me is that my parents aren't rich. Their neighbors are white and they are not rich. But there's a superiority with these white neighbors because they're mm. like, yo, I vote yeah. for Trump. I'm still better than you, even yeah. though we both are broke. We both right. have yeah. the yeah. the person we should be mad at are people like our, um, let's be, let's be real with it. Mm. 
our 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 war dodging president who yep. when he was drafted somehow did not go corporal bone spurs you know what i'm yeah. saying so to me it's like that is the person we should be mad about but we just don't because it's so much fear that you like again like if you've never seen a black person if you've never seen a trans person if you've never seen an indian person but all you know is they're getting jobs where your farm isn't doing well your mill isn't doing well and people should be teaching you different traits like mm-hmm. the thing is like right now instead of doing coal mining people should now be learning how to work with computers which you yeah. can do from your fucking home but they don't want to right no, it's or, not, i don't think they don't want to i think the thing is like but they don't want the don't jobs that are it. being given to people that they're complaining about they're just mad that yes they're not doing well but now they see people that they already hate doing well i think we're taught to hate i, I really do i really think i really think if you took a baby who was white if you took a baby put that baby in um I don't know, a majority uh, neighborhood with people of color, I think that baby will grow up to just like people. I think what it what sucks is, is that anytime you go home for Thanksgiving, anytime you talk to like people around you, if they're calling people the N-word and like making fun of everybody else and only watching Fox News, of course that baby mm-hmm. gonna be racist. That baby don't know nothing but like yeah. black people are bad. And yeah. Yeah. It's it's at home, but it's also in the school systems too. Yeah, like, they're schools are not, trash. Like, don't get them no money. I bet all these parents now are like, hey, I had to teach my kids for quarantine. Get it, teach us what they want so I can drop right. this kid off and go about my day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the side of the fact is, uh, you know, like as a person with a kid, I'm we're definitely not paying our teachers enough. But we're definitely not paying our schools enough to be able to deal with these problems of systemic racism through an understanding, you know, cultural understanding. Mm. And then there's the, you know, the border issue that, the, you know, as you guys, uh, guys kind of alluded to, there's an economic separation that's happened on purpose. You know, redlining mm-hmm. is very much a thing that happened, which yeah. has divided people. And it is, you know, like for me, again, as a foreigner to the country who's kind of observing from the outside, it is really fascinating to see how, and this might just be a fact that the places I've lived there are Los Angeles and New York, is that generally Los Angeles and New York are pretty, you know, the people I've interacted with are pretty diverse, pretty open to other cultures, you know, pretty happy to be around uh, people that don't look like them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is not the... That is not the, uh, the that is not the country that I see on Fox News. That's not right. the country I necessarily see uh, on television. And I think one of the reasons why we wanted to do Miss Juneteenth is it's not necessarily the kinds of things that we see in movies either. Right. And yeah. I think you know one of the uh, important things to remember is that the, the the kind of addressing of the Holocaust as it happened in Germany happened because of a TV miniseries called The Holocaust, which basically opened a generation's eyes to the horrors that had happened before them. Mm. And that because of that miniseries, people started asking the questions like, why don't we know about this history? And we should be taught about this history. And, mm. and Germany is one of those countries where they've really made um, a strong effort not only to uh, acknowledge their past, but to recognize it and make sure that everyone is aware of the possibilities of having to repeat it. And they will no longer try, you know, that that possibility almost gets erased through uh, open conversation, open dialogue, and a real reverence for, for the atrocities of history. I think one of the things that's really interesting about, um, I wouldn't say broadly speaking America, but broadly speaking history, is the sort of sanitized version that we give to children. You know, the, the idea that Christopher Columbus was this hero that came and, you know, saved uh, the natives and, you know, like discovered America versus, you know, the atrocity of genocide, which is really committed mm-hmm. upon those people. Yeah. Um, and also even beyond that, too, on that note, if you even want to go to a global scale, I'll even put this on the world, even outside of America. The the, the way that the world has reacted to covid is mm-hmm. is is in direct response to the way 
that the world tried to basically under the 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 global zeitgeist basically brush the 1918 flu pandemic under the rug because once they got through it everyone was so fucking scarred they just decided to be like nope 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 and we didn't learn about it enough and it was not something that was thoroughly sort of presented as this is a possibility that could happen again and i think there's a reason because that's not in the cultural zeitgeist that now no one can decide if wearing a mask is good or not and it's like it's it's all all the horrors are connected my friends i mean listen we live in a world where when um Barack Obama was president, and what virus was it that went around? Ebola. 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 And yeah. he was like, hey, we're not prepared. Like, it's not as bad as we thought. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember mm-hmm. watching it. He's like, we're not prepared for this. We're going to invest money into this new program because there will be a pandemic that will hit eventually. Mm-hmm. You want to make yes. sure we're prepared for it. And then, to prove racism really does exist, our current president was like, you know what? I'm watching this program, and now we're not prepared. Also, we got to think about it. To me, racism is almost funny because it's like I don't ever think it's going to go away in America because I think I just don't think it will, man. Because I think too many I think too many people make money off of racism. Mm. Racism is what has fueled our prison systems. Um, It is why you are still, you know, if you're a prisoner, you're a third of a person. You still Mm. count in the census, but you do not get to vote, uh, (laughs) which makes no sense. Because if you think about it, most of those prisons are in rural areas. Anyway, let's not get on that. But, you know, also we live in a country that is one of the wealthiest countries because for 400 years, they had free labor. Free labor. Yeah. It yeah. was free labor and for isn't 400 why they, years. And why they kept killing the troops to come over to Texas because they wanted to continue yes, having crops. They kept, and like, they kept trying to continue disgusting. it because they needed. Again, we can say what you want about, you know, the South. At least I know they're racist. The scariest thing to me is yeah. always the people who don't pretend. I think the most important thing to me is like people talk about Martin Luther King a lot. And I know we have to talk about the movie, but people talk about Martin <laughs> we'll Luther King a lot. We'll get to that. Yeah. People talk about Martin Luther King a lot, but towards the end of his life, he started seeing things differently. Like when he moved to Chicago, you know, there's so many times he talks about in the South, he knew they needed these, um, these many guards to help them out because they knew mm-hmm. the racists would be there. He's like, when he went to Chicago, it was double. And they weren't prepared because Chicago was the North. They thought it was more protective and safe for them. And the North was like, no, 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 no. There's more money in the North and it's hidden better in the North. Right. And it's like, yeah, man, like this, man, this country is what it is. Like this country doesn't surprise me. The fact that there's still protests happening right now that are Mm -hmm. peaceful and the news aren't talking about it is because there aren't a bunch of black people burning down buildings running for cops. It's like, that's mm-hmm. not the image we want to show the Midwest. And that goes to liberal sites, too. CNN ain't talking about it. Yep. Like, yeah. you know, MSNBC ain't talking about it. World One News, which is worse than Fox News. Good Lord. They ain't mm-hmm. talking about it. Yeah. But Mr. Teeth, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, I think in this room, we've solved the problems of the world, at least on yes. the four of us. Uh, yes. And we can, we can go on us. to talk about Miss Juneteenth. Uh, directed by Channing Godfrey Peoples, a movie that I'm very, very excited to talk about. And I think the reason why I like this kind of preamble is that the things that we're talking about is the world that this film 
lives in without really expressing it. Mm-hmm. Like these are the issues that the world kind of inhabits, but never really necessarily, uh, you know, needs to discuss because that is just the world that they live in in El right. Paso, Texas. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell us what Miss Juneteenth is about, according uh, to IMDb? Oh, of course. Uh, you uh, making the, the white dude talk about Miss Juneteenth? That's oh messed up. God. He set okay. you up, bro. He set you up. That's not your friend. <laughs> well, I mean, there's lots of reasons. We, she, we, hey, listen, we, we'll I'm, not I'm not getting invited to the cookout. I know I'm not getting invited to the cookout. He's not Yes, get ready for the American version. Hey, everyone, the only white guy's going to tell you about what Internet Movie Database uh, says Miss Juneteenth is about. So, here, you ready? Yes, let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it. Everything's fine in history, and we're really sorry. Bye. No, that's, yeah, there's the white version. No, here's what IMTP says. A former beauty queen and single mom prepares her rebellious teenage daughter for the Miss Juneteenth pageant. That, that's sure. what. To the point. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not untrue. That is a correct <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, no, it's. I think. I think that's a hundred percent. Apart from, I, I would take. Uh, I'd look at the word rebellious a little closer. But yes, Jarrah, uh, uh, Rachel, whichever one of you two, because uh, we're seeing you both on the same screen. Whichever one of you two, what did you think of Miss Juneteenth? I mean, I think any film that one has uh, black faces and actors created by a black female um, is something that I'm going to root for. And anything that continues to educate us on things that we're not as familiar with or need to hear more about is something, again, that I'm all here for. So genuinely, I liked it. I thought it was warm to watch. Um, I love that. And, and, you know, I did, we'll talk about this later, but like, you know, I, well, I love. OK, so I love the age difference between the parents and the ch- and the child. I don't know how deep I should get into this. Um, I love not the dynamic deep. between the parents. Oh, go ahead. Shahir. Oh, just to say that they're not very far separated yeah. in age, and I think that's an interesting—it's mm-hmm. an interesting observation between the grandmother, the the mother, and the daughter, and the daughter. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, just you know, generally speaking, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, man, I liked it. it. It's funny because this is the kind of movie I I wish we had more of. Um, what lures you in is about a pageant, Miss Juneteenth, Juneteenth being something very tied to the black community, but the movie itself doesn't just deal in blackness. It's like no one's in this movie the skin color is not the thing that they're trying to overcome which i think mm-hmm. happens a lot if it's a black important movie for instance i'm gonna shade this movie it is one of my idols but i got to you know will smith doing a runaway slave movie <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like bruh i don't i don't i got struggles in america today just being here and on top of that yeah i am black so watching yeah. this movie this movie was cool to me because it's just a single mom trying to do right by her daughter like that is that that is that is the core of this mm-hmm. movie. She's just trying to do right by the daughter, and the daughter understands that. Yeah. While trying to be her own her person, herself, yeah. It's Beautiful. like that is so hard. And then you know, before this movie, I read up on Nicole, um, who plays Turquoise. She was mm-hmm. on this show I used to watch, um, uh, Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Right. And she was killed off, and she finally came out during the press tour for this, saying, "Yo, she got killed off because her and the lead white guy both got sick." The white mm-hmm. dude was able to take time off, but they didn't let her take time off. Jesus. Yeah, she got so sick that she couldn't get things done. And it's funny thinking about that because when she was killed off the show, the show ended up getting canceled because the, the dynamic was gone. So again, I'm happy. I'm happy to see these actors. You know, Kendrick has been popping up so much, especially in real life when it comes to these protests. Like he's been on the front line of a lot of places. He's gotten physically assaulted by the police on mm-hmm. camera. Um, Speaking of Kendrick Sampson, um, the right? young girl the, Alexis uh, who plays yeah. Kai. This is her first movie, 
So I'm I'm here for it, man. I'm here for all of it. And Juneteenth pageants are real. It's like a real thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. which I did not know about. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and act, and also just to that point, like I was in like a really nonsense pageant, but I did it in a sense for my mom, um, yeah. and understood oh. that, but obviously did not like want to do it for myself. Um, but can so we, I just Rachel, can we I, yeah. can we back up a second and just tell me how it is not not how it is you didn't know about Juneteenth, but like mm-hmm. what you what at what point did you hear about it and what you thought about it when you like. You know, do you celebrate it now? Yeah, so I definitely celebrate it now. And mm-hmm. I learned about Juneteenth through Jura, actually, who mm-hmm. is like my black education preacher. And I go to him for like every and everything, <laughs> him and Google. Because um, <laughs> again, so I was deprived. I'm, just, I'm, I'm questioning which one's more accurate. That's, it, yeah, that's right? so much pressure. That's so much pressure. <laughs> there are times when I Google things and I'm like, never mind. Hey, Jura. <laughs> like my theory. Um, but yeah, so and, and, and it's a shame because I, you know, did not get a lot of education from my school on African-American history. And my parents are immigrants. They're not, this is no excuse, but they um, are Jamaican. So they came here and raised us. And like the last thing that was on their mind was trying to educate me on my black history, my black American history. It was really just like staying afloat, go to school when you can and come home, mm. watch your brother and maybe get a job at 16. So um, yeah, I, I completely was not as aware and informed uh, with a lot of things, including Juneteenth. So the more I learned about it, and especially through again him, Jura, and um, and shows and films, I was excited to be a part of that project uh, that she her and I was on yeah, before we a Juneteenth did a special. Juneteenth concert, yeah, yeah. And similar to the lead up of actually talking about this film, Miss Juneteenth, um, that happened in every conversation with my team for the Juneteenth special, Lift Every Voice, a Juneteenth special and Live by Live, because just to throw that out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, plug it. Plug it real quick. Plug it. Yeah. You would have gotten away with it too. Like, I know, I had to call myself out. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like every conversation, although it was, it's supposed to be a day of celebration, it's still so much frustration as well that it was two years late, right? 89 years behind July 4th, et cetera, all these things. So, and then given the current climate, um, because our joy and liberation is constantly being under attack so eventually got to the point of celebrating and i eventually in real life got to the point of learning about this part of our history yeah juneteenth so i gotta say guys i know we i'm not sure what matt feels about this movie i'll go last yeah i loved this movie from frame one like Mm. this is probably one of my favorite movies of the year at this point this uh, just Nicole Berry, uh, Bihari, uh, I don't know how to say her name, I think is so magnetic in this film. Like, and she, she occupies almost every frame of this movie. And yeah. it is, she is, what I love about this movie mm. is it, it encapsulates two things that I think I'm really bad at as a filmmaker and that I think really excites me when I watch someone able to do it so well, which is that it is succinct and, simp- and simplicity. And this movie knows exactly what's it, what it, what it's about, and delivers it note perfectly in every moment. And and I and I just I think the the scenes between uh, Nicole and Alexis, the mother and the daughter, are just mm-hmm. joyous to watch. Yeah, like Agreed. them, them, you know, like um, uh, uh, rubbing cake over each other's faces and and laughing about it while the lights have been turned out, and you know, like, and her dad hasn't turned up for her birthday is just this like nugget of joy in this situation that yeah. this mother is trying to, you know, inca- into, that Torka is, is trying to encapsulate, where she wants, you know, and, and, and what I love about the first frame of this movie is the first frame of this movie is the entire movie in one frame. It's mm. this beautiful mm-hmm. portrait of a mother 
who wants the best for her daughter and is doing it by reliving her own past. And mm. that's the mistake that she's made her entire life. That's the mistake she's going to make in this movie. And it's summed up so beautifully right. in that one scene. Um, and, and, and that's what every frame of this film is about. And not only is it steeped in this sort of like beautiful blackness, you know, without, without sort of overstating that, there's just this beautiful... Um, world of seeing black faces on screen, not having to see mm-hmm. that sort of in the uh, through the lens of a, uh, you know of the white gaze or anything. There's only mm-hmm. two two white people in this film, and we barely see them. Um, oh shit! I don't even remember. I didn't even notice them. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is so refreshing that that yeah, can even it, be a yeah. thing. And although yeah. Juneteenth is yes a very like you know black celebrated holiday, to me it, to that point you hear was just this mother trying to give her daughter the best. You know, yeah. while she couldn't, um, and yeah, realizing that one mistake was through living her own dreams, and her daughter getting it the whole time, and you know, yeah. could have been frustrated with her mom because her dad wasn't there, but understood the situation, which is so unfortunate that a young kid has to deal with, but she did, and um, yeah, it was great. It was you're so right. That was just also and, beautiful. And to, the uh, dynamic between all the characters is so you know like yeah the the funeral the funeral um home uh, i've forgotten his name but I it's bacon. bacon bacon his name is bacon <laughs> bacon. bacon oh you know, wait. like bacon the, the, oh, there, there's guy. no like overt uh dramatic soul of this. Yeah. it's just real people like living their lives and the film what, what i love is that um uh channing godfrey peoples is kind of like fills the frame with this richness so that you don't actually have to stir the soup too much you know like it's just mm-hmm. these w- incredible rich fulfilled lives on screen that we just see playing out so i look i know i'm going to be hyperbolic about it but like <laughs> the it, it doesn't happen to me very often but like frame one i was like i'm putting the phone down i'm not picking it up for the rest of this movie because i didn't want to disrespect the movie and i just loved it from that moment on and i and it was just like such a wonderful like hundred minutes, you know, like it was just like mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful thing to sit through. That's that's where I'm coming from on this movie. I like flat out love this film. Oh she here put me down, want to watch it again. Yeah, she she here put down his phone and picked up his lighted pen notepad? to write to write notes. Yeah, most of it is chicken scratch. I will admit, most yeah. of it is chicken scratch. Uh, the it, it's interesting. The the um. Something I very much liked about this film, and and I I really appreciate when films are able to do this. Um, there's ev- every character in this movie felt like an actual person, mm-hmm. and by that I mean there's no villain, there's no uh, there there are people that I would say are making poor decisions across the board. You know the mm-hmm. the the grandmother, for instance, and in the certain ways that she's handling herself, or the way that um that Kai's father uh. Ronnie is depending on where you're there's a part sort of near the end which we won't talk about till we get into spoilers um, where I was a little bit confused on some motivations but it just felt like people Mm -hmm. making decisions that they thought was best for them and some Mm -hmm. of the people they cared about including Mm -hmm. I mean the dynamic between the mother and the daughter between uh, Turquoise and Kai because uh, you know the the the, on that note the other thing that I really did enjoy uh, came from a thing of something I normally don't like is i hate pageants i have <laughs> always hated the concept of pageants so like even though this thing had a, a 99 percent on rotten tomatoes which i think is very uh apt and deserved i came into this thing i'm like i just fucking hate pageants man i hate i hate the concept of them there's something about them that really irks me uh but but this bucked that trend 
of what I consider a pageant movie because when on the surface if you wanted to look at this like the, the like and not pay attention right you would see the oh it's the mother who is the pageant queen that really wants her daughter to be the pageant queen and it's mm-hmm. like it's sort of about living vicariously through your daughter and da, 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 da. and and a lot of uh for you know white pageant sort of films like that you get that and you sort of the mother is like the villain or like whatever mm-hmm. this felt like it it, it it became very clear as you were watching the story and how this woman was trying to take care of her daughter that she did not this wasn't so that that turquoise could live vicariously through her daughter this was what turquoise saw as a, a a way to help her daughter out of mm-hmm. a of a of a broken system and give her opportunities that she almost had but then due to various things uh you know having a child etc that mm-hmm. the movie goes into uh she could she she didn't get uh and i really liked that they turned this genre of a thing that i don't mm-hmm. like <laughs> Yeah. into something that was very moving and felt very human. Yeah. Um, so I, I overall, I dug this movie. Uh, there, like, I'll, I'll get into a little bit in spoilers. Um, there were some pacing issues near the end that I got a little confused at, so I'm interested to talk through that once we get there. But overall, I had a, I had a very good experience with this I film. I got to yeah. say the one downer thing. I'm going to be the buzzkill sure. real quick. Uh, this movie was great. But even if movie theaters were open... I don't believe this movie would have been giving the credit that it deserves. And I say that because the history of Hollywood has taught me Mm -hmm. that if this movie was about a white girl and her family, it'd be the next best thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This would be Ladybug part two. Mm -hmm. It would be whatever the hell the new white girl movie is of the year. Um, but because it doesn't deal with that and also because it doesn't deal with black people going against some type of racial oppression, those things are not celebrated yet. Mm-hmm. Hence, again, one of the biggest sales of 2020 is a rental. Yeah, listen, yeah. listen to yeah. it. I mean, look, that has got Will Smith and Antoine Fuqua <laughs> no, you know, no, attached to it. That, that's got to be a no, factor. Hear me out, though. The fact that <laughs> one of the best black directors of our time, <laughs> one of the most famous actors, period, no matter black yeah. or white, the movie that these two are making to try to get an Oscar is a movie about a motherfucking runaway slave. And now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But how many times have we seen an Oscar movie, particularly about slaves, nannies, and other subservient black people? And this movie, it sucks because I'm watching it and watching it, I was like, yo, this shit is so great. I'm looking at it. I remember watching the same year that um, uh, uh, Beast of No Nation, sorry, no, yeah. no, Moonlight and fucking- yeah. um, uh, La La uh, Land. La La Land and Call Me By, Call Me By Your Name came out. I'm mm-hmm. looking at motherfuckers Go Google eyes over Timothy Chalamet, like going fucking nuts. I know, we don't see a lot about Tra- Travante Rhodes, do we? No, not only that, but it's like all three. <laughs> Probably of, one of the most beautiful men to have ever graced the screens. Yeah. And give you a beautiful form. It's not only that, yeah. but every level, every age of Chiron was great. Like yeah. young Chiron was great. The the middle age Chiron was great. He's the same fucking age as Timothy Chalamet, and like no one was just giving this dude parts. And it sucks because it takes black people and people of color to be so fucking exceptional to just match what a mediocre white person can do and that's what sucks and it sucks that i'm looking at this movie looking at channing who like if you look up her history has worked on um um 
What's it, the Oprah show? Uh, crap. Uh, she did. Um, it's the one I uh, like. <laughs> yeah, God. Damn I've got blanket it as well. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar. She worked Queen on Queen Sugar. Sugar. Yeah, looking at her right yeah. on Queen Sugar. Looking yeah. at her finally getting this thing. Speaking and I'm like, it people. sucks yeah. to have that happen. <laughs> and I don't think it's. Yeah, no, it definitely sucks. No, and, to, and to Chenna's point, she but, but, said but, but, that. Hang like, on, wait. What sucks here? The, this movie is amazing. What, no, what, what's the sucky the, the part? Thing is, the, thing, the thing that sucks about it is, is I think about a good movie, especially a good movie by a person of color, just like that old fable of if a tree falls in the woods, is if no one hears it, does it exist? This movie right. is here. This movie is strong. This movie is powerful. But if no one is talking about this movie and giving it the same credibility you would give to a motherfucking Ladybird, if you think of, if you think about everyone that was in Ladybird, right? You think about the actors, you think about the director, the chances they were given after Ladybird existed. I want the people in this movie to get that chance, you know, and I don't think that's going to happen. And I do think it's because of their skin color. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, on the hopeful side here, and again, because I was so taken. Uh, by Nicole, by uh, Nicole Brary. Uh, again, I don't know how to say her last name, but I, I, I just this is a star-making turn, if ever there was one in any movie, right? Like, I, I don't see how you watch this movie and don't want her to be in everything from this point forward. But to, to Jira's point, I think that like, w- w- I think we're all sort of in agreement with that being a true fact. But I think Jira, and correct me if I'm wrong, what you were saying was that feels like it's just not going to happen based on precedent, no matter how good the performance is. Uh, yeah, man, to me, it's like, I love this whole reckoning that's happening in Hollywood in America, right? Again, I really do believe things will change, but if I'm looking at the history of Hollywood, this feels different, but this happened in the 90s, and then in the early 2000s, what black TV shows and sitcoms do we have on TV? What movies did we have? You know what I mean? Like this happened in the late 70s with black exploitation. Mm. And then what happened in the 80s? Nothing came up until hip hop in the New Jack Swing era in 89, 91. Again, I'm not trying to be negative. I think I'm just at a point now where it's like, I need you to prove that this is different to me. I need need Hollywood to tell me this is different. I mean, look, one thing I will acknowledge here is that this is a small movie. This is a small independent movie. It is not going to get the buzz that a ladybird is going to get because of the names attached attached to ladybird. Uh, I mean, this movie uh, on a budget of I think a hundred. Uh, wait, uh, actually, I don't have the budget in front of me, but I know the opening. They made twenty thousand dollars on this movie. Uh, this is not a a huge draw card of the movie. Uh, in a way, uh, it's it's also even less of a draw card because uh, because of COVID nineteen and the way it's been released, it hasn't had that opportunity to go to festivals and win awards and kind of get that sort of theatrical momentum going up. And and I agree and acknowledge all of that. I think my hope is that this is the kind of small movie that propels people's careers for it. Now, to, to me, the thing that you're talking about, with, which is whether people will pay, um, stand up and pay attention to this movie, while in many ways has to do with systemic racism and, and problems of this type of movie involving people of color not being seen by a lot of people, um, also has to do with the fact that the marketplace is skewed against this kind of movie. A movie... Uh, dom, you know, like directed by a woman, about women, uh, you know, about uh, a small town in the South. This is not the kind of movie that br- draws in, you know, uh, crowds. It's not the kind of, like, you know, little indie superhero film that's going to get you the next Fantastic Four or anything like that. And I, th- and I think <laughs> you think that if they're white, they would. I, 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 but you, you think you're man. I, I'm if, telling yeah, you. I'm because, telling because, you is that if this was Winter's Bone, motherfucking Winter's Bone, <laughs> yeah. dude. I'm looking up like call me like listen. I, you make call me by any, honestly, it's a great call point. Me by it's your a great name. point. No one gave yeah. a fuck about Army Hammer because he had one of the biggest bombs in Hollywood history to this day. Mm-hmm. To right. this day. 
Timothy Chalamet was a kid who starred in small features. The director did a movie, was it I Am Love, that came out in 2014, mm -hmm. 2015. That movie was a darling, okay? Example. And my thing is, it's very tough because even if I think about, I keep bringing up Lady Bird, but when I think about Lady Bird and movies like that, it's like, there is no shortage of white coming of age stories. Yeah. There is no shortage. And this is and this is a very, not to cut you, because yeah. I do agree, this is a very, like, to your point, human and American story. Like, and I hope that this doesn't only propel these actors' careers, but propel authentic narratives like this. Like, it's literally a, yes, a single mother, let's erase, you know, erase for a second, a single mother, mm -hmm. like, trying to help her child get a ticket out of this middle class or low class poverty, right? Mm -hmm. Period. And these stories can do well. And I, I mean, on She Hears Side, I want to be hopeful too, but I completely get where you're coming from and I'm drinking more because I'm stressed out about it but it's true like you know this like call me by your name it's a good example this little boy it's a good this example. little boy is in goddamn Dune yeah. This boy what? is in Dune. He's he's what he's, <laughs> he's Paul Paul he's Paul, isn't he? Jesus. Yes. Yeah, I, and the thing is, I'm not disrespecting his 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 acting ability. Not, yeah. I'm just simply saying, like, there is a a situation in America where we continue to do this thing, and there's always so many excuses of why well, we can't have, have the I, progress. I, oh, no, look, but look, my my point here is, and I, I think everything you're saying is true, but I think one thing I kind of want to get at with this with this podcast is we want to celebrate this movie. We right. want people that All listen right, cool. to our podcast. Yeah. Right. And we're not going to, and I, I'm telling you now, we're probably going to get a hundred people to see this movie, uh, you know, so we're well, not breaking I, the bank on this. I hope that your viewers understand that this is so tough. Like we want to celebrate too, just like Juneteenth, just like our freedom. Yeah. We want to celebrate. And yet it's like, that liberation, that celebration, that joy is literally under attack. And we don't even, like, yeah. we're just feeling it. There's no one currently, like, yeah. attacking <laughs> us. But it's like, there's something in the air that you can't even speak about how beautiful this film is without diving deep into all the bullshit that comes with these feelings and the fears. So I have a, I have yeah, a question, no. actually, that uh, for everybody, because th so so all of that said, because I think everything that was said is true. It is fantastic. And uh, this movie, due to... Uh, the, uh, race and sexism and 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 and, and uh, systemic system in Hollywood will not get the 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 fair shake that a uh, a, a white version of this film, let's just say for a simple uh, execution, would get. Here's my question: Does now in COVID time, where things are now all streaming and we are not locked in to the media cycle of like, oh, only the big 12 movies are going to be in this thing. And there's the Marvel thing and the Disney thing and like whatever. And then there's maybe like one or two darlings that get out of the film, like get out of the, the award season circuit. Now we're getting more like, okay, people want new content straight up. So, and, and new content isn't coming out fast enough. So do we think that possibly this might be the perfect time to try to at least start getting people to, at least from a cinematic perspective, open their eyes towards more diverse films or even just something that they wouldn't even like watch normally, even though they should like, or, or is that sort of a little too hopeful on that side too? Like, See, I, I think for me, it takes promotion. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I will say that as a person mm -hmm. who has been in this industry <laughs> and now knows how important people <laughs> investing in promotion mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Because I will say, like, if you look at movies that have been small, like My Spy is now out. It's all over my Roku. Mm -hmm. You know, if I right. go on my Amazon. My a, a studio film. Yep. That's a also, yeah. also, but I'm, like, I'm going to go down the list. If you look at, like, um, <laughs> you look at, like, Pete Davidson's movie. Like, I know Pete yeah, and Jadapas are big. Yeah. 
Yep. Like yeah. that thing is going to be everywhere. I think we do have a point to see new projects, but if no one knows this movie exists, like, and I, and I mean that in a way mm-hmm. of, I know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I am at home. I have a chance to watch it. Um, and we heard about it. Yes, a friend said, I, hey, let's watch this. Yeah, I heard about it. But the only reason I really even remembered it is because of being invited onto this podcast. Right. And I review black movies. And so for me, it's like if I don't go on The Hollywood Reporter and see a post about it, if I don't see it reviewed on Entertainment Weekly, it is hard to remember everything exists because Twitter has to tell me it exists mm-hmm. or, yeah. or friends mm-hmm. or Instagram. And that is hard because this is a wonderful movie. And I, I'm definitely going to stop you know, coming against it, but like I, it should be celebrated, but it's hard to celebrate something You're that people system, don't know how to find. And that's the very, yeah. that's the, that's the tough part about these, these projects is that like black projects have been good. Projects by women have been great, but if no one knows it exists, it doesn't help propel the people forward. Because right now, if Shahir was the head of universal, Shahir has seen this movie. Shahir is like, I'm putting the coal in something, but Shahir has seen the movie. Has the person in charge of casting at Sony seen okay, this movie? Okay, so to piggyback <laughs> off that, in addition to promotion, which is factual, this goes back to putting the right people at those tables. So yeah. someone like a Shahir can say, hey, well, actually, here's an actor in which we need to consider and we need to look into. You know what? You're right. Shahir, why ain't you at them goddamn tables? <laughs> I vote <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> Shahir, we go. We, hey, we, you know what was funny is we did this episode uh, a couple years back where we talked about race and representation on screen. And we talked about one of the neuroses that I have as a writer, which is that every mm. character I write without ever intending to and i think this comes down to how much of the content we see and how much of the perception of the content we think is important uh which is something like bell hooks talked about a lot is that this idea is that every character i write is default white and i've never understood why that is or why it should be that way and then if i write a character of color i always have to defend the fact that they're a character of color Mm, like i have to write Mm. why they're a character of color um and I think, you know, there is there's there's many systemic reasons for that. And I think one of the factors is people, you know, be having people at the table that can actually that actually speak to their own experience and who say, hey, not everyone around me is white. Why does every character in these movies have to be white? Um, but I think the other thing is that that, you know, and I 100 I, percent I agree with everything that you're saying. What I think is also uh, an issue here is the diversity of films that we as film reviewers expose ourselves to Mm -hmm. and that we get on top of rooftops and shout about. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, like the thing for me, um, you know, I I like to pride myself on like uh, absorbing a fairly wide diet of movies. And like the thing I loved about this movie um, that, you know, it it was reaffirmed is that uh, one of the movies that was entered into the Library of Congress uh, many years ago was a 1977 film by Charles Burnett called Killer of Sheep. Um, Killer of Sheep is incredible uh, portrait of the slaughterhouse worker in uh, downtown Los Angeles made in 1977. Uh, the director was a man by the name of Charles Burnett who went on to make uh, a, a number of extraordinary movies that nobody saw. Um, and he was he was uh, Channing Godfrey people's mentor. And, and Killer of Sheep uh, is a direct ascendant to this movie because what, mm. he, what Killer of Sheep was really about was not... Um, not these sort of uh, extra, you know, uh, explosive plot dynamics that you would see in later films like Boys in the Hood. These were films about people's lives trying to go about 
ordinary circumstances. So mm. what I love in Miss Juneteenth for a second is that the numbers that she's working with are really on the table and they're not big numbers to a lot of people. You know, like she needs $800 to get this dress. She needs $384 yeah. to pay the rent, yeah. you know, to pay the power bill. But then she needs $700 to pay, you know, like to... to 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 bail her um, husband out of jail, Craziness. and what I love about is that is that for me that felt so high stakes. Even though you know, uh, and this will sound like you know bragging, but like eight hundred dollars doesn't feel like a lot of money to me. But like it suddenly made me watch and go, man, eight hundred dollars is everything to this yeah. person. Yeah, you know, and um, I I pulled up a review of uh, Killer of Sheep that Roger Ebert wrote, and I and I was thinking about it because I was just thinking about Killer of Sheep a lot. It's 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 such an incredible film. You you should see it. And the point, the reason you should see it is that is the kind of the thing that we're all talking about here, which is that we want to expose. Uh, there are these amazing, talented people working out there that don't get amplified and our job mm -hmm. is to amplify those voices that we love and i mm -hmm. again love this movie uh, but roger ebert wrote about killer of sheep and this was his original 1977 review was that ordinary daily life is one of the hardest things for a movie to portray because so mm. many other movies have trained us to expect patterns and plots uh, I, but instead of making a larger statement about his characters, Charles Burnett chooses to show them engaged in a series of daily routines in a striving to succeed and the failing up that, met, that life makes up of. Because poverty, because with poverty, there is little freedom of choice. And the point is there is that, there, you know, films don't have to be this sort of huge expose of explosions yeah. and dramatic high stakes it can be about eight hundred dollars and it can be about like whether you're going to own a restaurant and what i love about this movie in particular is that that those stakes are are um surrounded by everything that we've been talking about systemic problems you know like the the owner of the barbecue place you know he makes this wonderful speech that like what's you know like america ain't for me but what's important is what's mine. I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling to survive. But what's important is what's mine. And I've got this place now, and it's mine. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the movie, she has it. And that's mm -hmm. where this movie is wonderful. And that like that mm -hmm. little subtle exchange is everything that makes this movie beautiful. And you know, like I the the. I even love that, you know, like there was a, like a little callback to another movie that hadn't a lot, a lot of, I mean, probably a lot of people have seen because of the star of the movie, but, you know, um, John Singleton's movie, Poetic Justice. I love. Because in John, you know, like you guys remember that in that movie, Janet Jackson reads out Phenomenal Woman. And in this movie, you know, like they're reading out Phenomenal yeah. Woman by Maya Angelou. But they what I love is that it doesn't become a repetition of that moment. It's actually taking that moment or, you know, like at least in some way taking the Phenomenal Woman poem and doing different, saying this is not my history. My history is forging something new. And, you know, like in all those like beautiful little ways, this movie succeeds on every level. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love hearing you talk about it. The way that we think that, you know, okay, nobody's going to see this. It's a really quiet movie. It's just so good. <laughs> it it's is. It's so good at everything it does. All right, I'm going to do one one last shade, and I promise this is it. Um, <laughs> Shahir brought up um, that wonderful film that is in the National um, Film Reserve. You know what else is in there? What? And that was shown at the White House? The Birth of a Nation. The Birth of a Nation. Yeah. And you know what has happened? <laughs> they refuse to take that bullshit movie out. And this is the thing, I, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because in America, um, for every wonderful, beautiful thing a black person or a person of color has done, our country always has a way of holding on to something that will disrespect it. Um, and the fact that a birth of a nation led to the rise of the KKK in America to the stereotype of white, I mean, black men kidnapping white women 
the fact that that movie can still be in the same league as the movie Shahir just mentioned, the same league as um, Do the Right Thing, mm-hmm. that to me is what this movie has to combat. And I'm not, and I'm not saying it's again. Yes, after this, I'm saying we we definitely need to talk about the pros, pros and cons. But like we're all sitting here saying this movie is great, but its greatness to me is not enough. Like, mm. like it it had to be. It had right. to be phenomenal. But 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 the thing about that we talked about in terms of tearing down statues mm-hmm. that right at the very beginning of this conversation. I, I don't know if that's actually going to be in this episode, but that's kind of what we started <laughs> on. Yeah. But I think the thing about tearing down statues is something that like Spike Lee has done with *The Birth of the Nation*. It's a film that he's revisited time and time again through all his movies and replayed. And Malcolm X, he basically does a scene from *Birth of a Nation* with the clans riding off, and what he's doing is commenting about it. And I think what what you know, um, *Killer Sheep* is doing and what Miss Juneteenth is doing is and what we can kind of help in that facility in that process is like talk about the fact that Birth of a Nation is an incredibly racist movie and is an incredibly destructive movie and the fact that it's in the Library of Congress is really it's really telling about what the way we think about history and whether this film will end up in that in that you know the Library of Congress or whatever that's worth if that's the barometer of what we think about whether a movie attains value or not is an interesting conversation to have and I look again. I don't want to be. I a hundred percent agree with you. I I am fully aware that the chances that Nicole, uh, uh, I'm, I, every time I say her name wrong, <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Berry gets like a huge part is 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 in question. You know, because of the the systemic factors that are up against her. But what I what I really want to say and what I really want to celebrate in this, we'll just talk about in this episode is how fucking good she is in this movie. Yeah, this is better than. You know, I don't care if she goes on to do, you know, whatever the next Marvel movie is. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is how great she is in this film in every scene. You know, yeah, like, she was she was amazing. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Was. I'm done. I'm done. I've said my piece about the state of America. Uh, no, but you're right. I mean, I, I do think like the opening scenes of this movie is just, man, you know what it is, man. It's just beautiful because. You're just watching this woman trying to get it together. Mm. That's yeah. it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like life is hard, man. Like for real, for real. it is hard. Like I grew up to a single mom for a good portion of my life, and <sighs> yeah, that poise and patience, and that mm-hmm. like calm with her mom, the trying with her daughter, even the passion she still has for her partner. Like she is just. I don't know how she kept it all together, how they captured her keeping it all together. Also, yeah. um, the, the this young girl, Alexis, this is her first movie. Is it yeah. her first? Yeah. This is her first she was, movie. I mean, she was, we're talking about uh, Nicole, but she's great too. She was great. Alexis. Oh, yeah. The yeah. chemistry between these two oh. is amazing. And she's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Her first movie. How yeah. cool is that? That is really cool. And, Man. you know, like, I, I love the fact that she, you can see in every scene that she knows that this pageant is not for her. Yeah. Right. And like yeah. and and what I you know what I what I think I love about that is at the end of the movie they both kind of acknowledge that if she gets the pageant she gets the full scholarship, you know, and she gets to go to whichever school she wants. But she doesn't really want to do it this way. And the scene where she does phenomenal woman but she does it as a dance. Yes. You know, that reminded me so much of Little Miss Sunshine, you know, like the final yes. scene of Little Miss Sunshine yeah. where you realize it's like it's not about the pageant itself, it's about the individuality we bring to the pageant, you know, like, you know, we don't have to be the best. We just have to be the best at us. And, um, when I like that moment before she, they announce who wins again, is this, is the, I was like on the edge of my seat going, 
God, I, I don't know. You know, like to me, if she doesn't win, that's life. That's what life is. And then if she does win, I'll just be so happy that these two people that I kind of love in this movie kind of got something. You know, mm-hmm. they got they got something for themselves. And then spoiler alert, Danetta Matthews swoops in and takes that crown. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. She's the worst. It's funny because when that dance was happening, I I didn't know how the scene was going to play out. Yeah. But I, man, something about it just made me feel so warm. Yeah, I was. She was. I her. actually cried during that scene. Yeah, like, I, I, no, 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 no lie. I cried during that scene because I was just so happy. Yeah, it's a beautiful oh. moment, and the thing that made that moment really beautiful is that it didn't take a long time for the mom to get it. Oh my gosh! Like yeah. you know, usually this is the scene where the mom is pissed. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, at the end, it's like no. The moment the mom saw it, she's like, "What's happening? Yeah. Oh my god!" And you see the. Yo, Nicole deserves yeah. all the awards. Like you see in her face, oh my God, yeah. what have I done? This is beautiful. And it goes back to the human narrative. Like no one's yeah. a villain. No one is trying to fight each other. Like we literally want the same thing. We're happy by each other's wins. I, I the standing ovation. You know, sure. If you didn't cry, then I'm sure you that you did during yeah. the ovation. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Also, no. but I'm not gonna lie. The mom might have been a bad guy. I don't know what's up with that mom. That <laughs> well, mom. No, was I, I don't know. The grandma. Like, if there was a villain, grandma's kind of cray cray. Grandma. That's so, so the, the, grandma's kind of crazy. But then you realize that, like, the point that you made earlier, Rachel, was like that. You you realize when you see the three women next to each other that. You know, she had, um, Turquoise had um, Kia, Kaya when she was like, must have been like 21 or even younger. Or, or younger, because like I thought younger. it was like 16, 15, like, which is yeah. why she couldn't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you realize that the grandmother had the same issue and that the grandmother is using religion to kind of cover up for Save. her own yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. fear of yeah. what had happened to her. And, that, and, then, uh, and then it's not ever, you know, like there's the, uh, you know, um, Turquoise has like kind of in a way no judgment about it. You know, like mm-hmm. she's just like, She's in here drunk. Let's get her home. Let's look mm-hmm. after her. Yeah. You know, and she still goes into church with her, you know, the next day and still like tolerates it when they try and like pray around her. Right. Um, it's just, you know, like it's we talked last week we did the King of Staten Island, the Pete Davidson film, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit about, you know, Judd Apatow and the Hangout movie. And, mm. you know, the thing about the hangout in the King of Staten Island, you know, enough not spoiler for that episode, is that we didn't really well, I didn't personally really connect with the hangout in that movie. Mm-hmm. This, I was just happy to be around these characters, see what, you know, see what story. And their stories have low stakes, you know, low stakes in what we think a movie is about. Well, that's the thing. I I wouldn't say the stakes are low at all. Like, yes, if you want to try to stamp sort of a numerical weird thing on there, but like stakes are what emotion is on a spectrum right like uh the the, Mm -hmm. thing that could be absolutely not uh angering or emotional for one person could be something that Mm -hmm. completely says Mm -hmm. it's it's the same as this like the stakes in this movie for these characters are fucking huge yeah yeah. um and the the way that um and again i kind of wanted to touch back on 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 the grandmother in this sort of thing yeah she's the closest to i mean it's almost because there's a uh, the and believe me, I, I you know, I don't know the 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 stereotypical like overly religious, you know, figure and that that, you know, that's been around in a little bit of stuff, too, of course. But like I never saw her as evil. I saw her as mm-hmm. like selfish in a weird way. Like and that's mm-hmm. where a lot of like but that again came across as a very human trait again. Yeah. And now we'll get into full spoilers a little bit here. But when uh, when Ronnie d- decides to and again, the, the communication was definitely a problem between the characters, <laughs> but decides to spend the money on helping his business rather than getting the dress because he didn't actually believe okay. in, oh, yes. in the thing. So- 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'll just I'll wrap up there. But like because he did that, and that was a a huge dick move because that character does not know how to communicate and didn't want to actually be like, I don't think this pageant is a good idea. He just decided to be a coward and not say a thing and not deliver on a promise. So So like, yeah, he promised. He promised. I don't know. First, I want to say, and I hope I am not like, you know, like I am like clearly a feminist. Um, and I think like, well, we all are. But first, I just want to say, Carl, that I agree. Like these stakes to me are the most important type of stakes that are human and that resonate with me. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I don't know if he was selfish. I really just think that they both no. are trying to figure out their way out. And yeah. maybe he had a practical way. He I'm had a practical you. way. I think he was trying. I think if he did both, right? Like, yes, communicate. Like, guys, please yeah. communicate. Yeah. Like, communicate. <laughs> and like, he gave her some money for the dress. But on the other side, he's like, yo, I'm investing. The way you're investing in our daughter and this dress and this ticket out, I'm investing in a business for to, for us to have money. And then you know, you know, realistically. And then at the end, more spoilers. She kind of gets a similar opportunity, which uh-huh. we'll get into, I'm sure. So I didn't know if it was selfish. I just thought. Yes, like as a man, unfortunately, he didn't communicate for sure. Yeah, but yeah. I think his intentions were in the right place, Yo. and he and he felt like shit when he like had to give her a high five instead of my, the money. But my man, yeah. my man, though, <laughs> and you knew he was gonna mess up. He's like, I'm gonna be there. Five. Oh, yeah. oh, I forgot about that part. Like, okay, that part's up. unexcusable. Oh, I was like, oh, you, you show right. up when you say so, you're going to show up. Yeah. Just two, just two or three things here, which is I love about about his character in particular, is that he is the eye candy of the movie. Like he's constantly shirtless in this yes. movie, and it's like all about like women looking at him. Well, like what he looks like in the movie. I th- I just I kind of dug that. You know, like we talk about that a lot. We mm-hmm. we we always have a running gag that there should be more dicks on film that we haven't seen. And hey, if you work at case. HBO, you gotta you gotta you gotta. <laughs> on a contract saying if it ain't your dick it's gotta be a fake dick it's funny because okay so and this is just just reflecting the personal and the and the movie in some way which is that uh this week uh you know uh, we bought a car this week you know like we're it's covid we're trying you know, to buy a car like we're trying to like move. to be clear shahir yes, and i did not buy a car together no, no, shahir and, and his buy family bought a car well, we bought a car and and it was funny because wow she here has a I know it's crazy. Off, I haven't owned a car I in like do a fifteen years. But I gotta do a tangent. Can you drive? Yes, I can. <laughs> oh, I that's mean, a valid not question. Well, but I can oh, drive. No. Oh Lord! Here we go. Watch oh, out! Double strap, Mikhail, and please. You ever, ever play that game, Crazy Taxi? Yes, but yeah, but but the point, the reason I want to bring that up is that this week, as we were at, like the the. Because I haven't bought a car in so long, the stress of buying a car was huge. It was like, and and what happened was that me and my wife Shivali, who's you know been on the podcast many times, and I, I hope she doesn't mind me telling the story, is that our priorities for what we wanted in the car became like really big, and they were so different. And and because I want to relate this to the movie, which is that like I was all about utility and like okay, it's got to be practical, it's got to be affordable, it's got to be fuel efficient, it's got to be safe, all that sort of stuff. And not that. You know, my wife doesn't want those things, but she also and she really cared about the color of the car and the way it looked to other people. And at first I was like, I was like, who cares? You know, like this is what I'm going. But when I watched this movie, I, I saw the same dynamic at play, which is that which is that for Nicole or for Turquoise, she kind of sees the pageant, which you know, spending $800 on a dress, which you could get at a thrift shop for this pageant is kind of nuts, but she, that's not the way she looks at it. She looks at it as that. I don't want my daughter not to, I want my daughter not to feel mm-hmm, the yeah. way I felt. 
Mm-hmm. I want my daughter to know that nothing is beyond her. Mm-hmm. And that's why the $800, ma- that's why mm-hmm. the $800 dress matters. Mm-hmm. Is because I don't want her to feel that she can't afford an $800 dress at any point in her life. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything I can to get that. Mm. And mm-hmm. and that's just not the way he sees the world because he sees it as, why are we spending eight hundred dollars? We could spend eight hundred dollars on mm-hmm. paying your electricity bill. Yeah, yeah. you know what? That's I'm, that's such a beautiful comparison. I'm glad you did that. And um, you know, if Chevalier tells you to edit this out, I get that too. But <laughs> <laughs> no, and um, it's not. She's not being yeah. frivolous. No, but no, she, no, I know. I you know. know, like those other factors that I don't think about are yeah. in the decision. You know, you know, my mom did, was like that a lot too growing up, and I had to, so I had to be the practical one. Um, but she was very much like, like, you know, our hair would be good. And like, you know, we weren't from much, but if we exited the house and we were in the public eye, we'd be clean, you know, we'd wear nice things and not necessarily branded unless it was like from Marshall's because mom was all about like branded stuff as long as it's like on a discount because she thinks rich people don't buy things um, in full price. She's right. She's right. But listen to her. They don't. don't. (laughs) So we would always look presentable. And she, and I remember, I think her sister would say things to her like, Charmaine, why do you look nuts, right? And she's like, but my kids look good. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't want my kids to look or feel less than. And, and I was yeah. like, what, one of two black kids in, in my elementary school? Um, and I didn't care as much until I got teased by my high waters. That's a whole other story. But she <laughs> always was, you know, very conscious of that. So so I get that for sure. Listen, I'm going to tell you, uh, we've been talking about a car Oh, I was going to say that too, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to embarrass you. I think I'm you. on Chevalier's side where it's like, hey, man. <laughs> I'm all about being practical, but I I also about the look because because I think the look matters. And hear me out. I think, babe, it's not the look. Tell them what you want a specific. No, no, thing. but 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 it, but it is about the look. And I think the thing that that I am now on this podcast realizing, I think a lot of how I act is to counteract how I think mm. a black man is perceived. Mm. Mm. Right. So mm-hmm. I think for me, and and, I, and and you know what? Now I'm talking about this on this podcast is like I do think that's why sometimes you will see you know, black people with like a really nice car, a big house is because mm-hmm. you're always told you can't have that thing. So like right, right. now we're talking about a car. We're just like, we need a car that's good on gas. That's practical. Good for the environment. <laughs> I'm like, I want a Jeep. Which are I sexy. Want, like I love like, a Jeep. But like, until we yeah. rented one and had to fill it up nine times in the course and of the four is, miles. I'm okay yeah. with that. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, every time I see one of these Jeeps, or one of these like BMWs, is always some rich white kid looking super totally. whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all not better than me, damn it. Better like, I want I that Jeep. <laughs> better like if there's anything remotely okay or good about the lockdown and COVID is that the environment is thriving a little bit. A little bit. I get an electric so, Jeep. Uh, yes, okay, that we will agree on that. Electric Jeep, guys. I'll that's what we're getting. Electric Jeep. The, you yeah. can cash at me at. Yes, listen. Yeah. There's a broad no dream of electric Jeeps. Yes. Pa- the Patreon listen. is, uh, is all about getting the Jeep. of everything. Cash at no, don't cash at me. That's that that I don't do cash at. Venmo me. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo me. No, but, but I, again. you know, again, it, the thing that I loved in seeing this movie is that, to me personally, everything that Turquoise wants is frivolous, right? Like it's the kind of things that I personally wouldn't want. And if you heard me in an argument with my wife, I sound I, I'm I'm an asshole for one. And and I'm exact I'm on the opposite side of that argument all the time. But turquoise mm-hmm. didn't but, have anything. That's the crazy part is like yeah, but that's, to cut you yeah, off. that's a think, good connection though. I think I think yeah what you're saying here yeah. is so interesting because you know as the story goes on, we've realized, you know, spoiler alert, she was a stripper at one point. And, you and, know? and she and she was she's ashamed of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, she talks about it like, yeah. I hope you never get de- desperate enough to do what I had yeah, to do. Yeah. But then she also yeah. says, 
I will not feel sorry for putting food on that table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that goes back to the American story that I love so much. Like, she's not just being like, you know, she's not just into flashy things and like, like she. it's literally deeper than that. Yeah, you're trying to a own a piece of something. Yeah. I think I think we're all so this American dream, but at the end of the day, you're like, was am I included in that mm-hmm. dream? Yeah. Am I supposed to be a part of that dream? Is my like the people who do these things do do they look like me? Do they mm-hmm. feel like me? Um and hearing her say at the end of it, like when the the guy who when bacon, the other mm-hmm. love interest, <laughs> is there and he goes, I need you to pick, and she's like, yo. Yeah. I, wanna, I just want something for me. Okay, that was so me. Like, yeah, that was so selfish. I have learned that, like, and not you, babe, but sometimes <laughs> men are just. She gonna say it was me soon. Where's oh my god! Out? No, 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 it's not him. That's always when we're together. Like, <laughs> there are just guys who are, it's so convenient for them and their timing, and like this woman has so much shit going on and is dealing yeah. with real life stuff, like her well being, her child, her partner that she just took her ring off and pawned it. Like, you think I want to think about dating you right now? Like, bring me to dinner, cute, but that's it. And, oh, I just, he bothered First me. First off, my man Although showed I know. up on a horse. Oh. The one thing I learned from... Um, <laughs> he did that, show up on a horse. Not like cowboys in this movie. That yeah. is so annoying. I just laugh because I always oh, think about when I see a black man on a horse, I think yeah. of um, Django Unchained when um, <laughs> Django shows up at Candyland on a horse and mm. Samuel Jackson comes out and, like, on this, <laughs> is that a nigga <laughs> Who on is a this? <laughs> I love I I love the funeral where the guy the guy had his saddle on the coffin. Oh my goodness! I was was like, "What is happening?" But you know what, man? You know, I like that it was a slice of life. This was just Texas, man. I mean, like that barbecue, like the the authenticity that you kind of feel on screen is that you feel like every character. Like I feel like you know when they went to the I don't know if it was a a Juneteenth memorial, uh, like memorial or whatever it was they were visiting. I felt like that was genuinely the guy who does that tour. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what he's, you know, like I, I was like, like that's casted. actually the guy. It's not yeah. like someone they cast. And I think that's so cool, man. I think there were so many beautiful moments in this. Sorry to skip around, but so many beautiful moments. Like, again, I think Shahir, you brought it up. The moment of the electricity being out, mm-hmm. it being Cass' birthday, the mom having a cake. Had to walk the, with that cake. The cake. Yeah. The mm-hmm. cake. And lift her spirits because her yeah. father's not there and is currently yeah. locked up, and yeah. her mother needs yeah. to get her out. And the thing is, the cake. When you see her take the cake out the box, I thought the cake was fine. The icing on one side of the cake isn't there, oh, so yeah, she's trying she, like, to. She's trying up. to patch the cake yeah. up. Also, maybe you want cake. And you realize that the daughter. <laughs> same here. You realize that the daughter is not happy. But is it mad at the mom? Yeah. But then they have that beautiful moment of the mom just not giving up and just yeah. like. Literally, it just like uh, that is literally Beyonce's like lemonade album to me, like that whole moment. Right. Um, <laughs> and and to go back to your to your to slice of life and like the city, isn't that what Channing wanted? Eventually, like that was her hometown, if I'm not mistaken. Right, El Paso. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is really cool that she. So to your point, Jerry, she really probably just pulled a guy and was like, "Hey, do you want to do this thing? Here's a sag, yeah. you know, rate." All I know about El Paso, Texas, is that it used to be a commercial for. Um, for, uh, was it barbecue sauce or something? And they're like, where'd you get that from? <laughs> New York City. Oh, that was and salsa. <laughs> it was salsa. Yeah. But like, I love but, how you knew that. But there, I don't know but why I sauce, did. Because it was such a famous, it was a bunch of cowboys around a fake fire. And it was like, where'd you get this from? New York City. And New York City. <laughs> and they shamed, the, they shamed the other cowboy because mm-hmm. he got it from New York and not El Paso. Old El Paso, <laughs> baby. Sorry. That is my I mean, reference. I, <laughs> 
I think we all want to visit uh, Turquoise's barbecue joint at this point. But I, I'm I'm not actually I'm I'm not uh, 100 convinced that the the ribs are going to be that good there. Um, but uh, I I think you know for me personally I'll I'll do my final thoughts kind of first, which is that again, love this movie deeply at this point. You know, like um, I just it's it's such and I think I think especially during COVID maybe. The, to sit down to the and watch this, you know, like, and it really does let you, you know, like there's a sort of discussion around movies being entertainment and distracting and kind of taking you away from the world kind of thing. And this movie has filled with so much warmth and love and heart and humanity and beauty. And it's the kind of humanity that we're not necessarily used to seeing on screen, that the little mm-hmm. moments in this resonate so deeply um, and feel earned in every frame. Um, and you know, it's again, for me, it's just rare for that to happen in frame one. And, and I, I know as a filmmaker, the reason it usually happens is because an actor is so good at being still. That's a really hard thing to do. Is that if, if an actor can be still and be interesting to watch, mm. it's such an unquantifiable thing. But but she's you know Nicole Berry's got that factor going for her, and it's and and this movie does so much to let her breathe and be in this movie. Um, and then everything you know that this movie does in terms of storytelling and the way that it kind of propels itself towards this this moment of sort of unification between this mother and daughter is so well done that you know like that's something that we didn't find in the king of staten island or in other hangout movies it's just it's so exquisitely done here um that uh you know again my highest rating and like you know celebrate and shout it from the rooftops this movie is so good uh i'll 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 just go real quick and then i'll let jura and rachel finish up uh yeah this movie was great and i think that the highest the highest weird little personal praise that I can give it is it made me really connect with a pageant movie which again <laughs> I do not like pageant movies <laughs> um, because that's what that's not what this movie was about this movie was about uh, a mother trying to uh, the 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 in in the clearest way that she thought that she knew how give her daughter a better life and it was also about uh, a little bit tertiarily a father who again should have been more communicative and not directly <laughs> lied, even though his intentions were good. Come um, through, ally. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, the the he uh, he had a different plan to try to do that. This was all about a family trying to even even the mother technically though miss the grandmother i mean though misguided in my opinion through the trying to use the church to do the to, to try to help her or get her back on a path or something um still i think at the core despite you know good intentions at the very least so this was a very human film and uh i enjoyed it very much and i will be i mean obviously we're doing this right now uh will be suggesting others watch it and enjoy the same way yeah. I'm going to go quickly and then let our boy end it here. But, um, I, you know, I can't stress that I think more creators and viewers should continue to create and support films by and starring, um, you know, black actresses and actors. And I think that it's so important that we continue pushing these narratives, not just what America, white America wants you to see, like another slave boomie or whatever, but to really tell authentic 
narratives, authentic stories that speak to, um, you know, a group that you don't really get to hear about. Um, and, and although, yes, it's an Indian, we're hope, Indian, we're hoping that it can um, get a lot of buzz that if we continue to tell these kinds of stories, I think that there is hope. I also think that it's so important for more films to do this by displaying a family, a black family with no teeth, literally love and trying to figure their shit out. Cause that's really what we are. Like we are not here going crazy in the streets on world star, whatever it is you see us like, this is what we're doing on like the regular. So we are loving and supporting each other and trying to get out and trying to have the American dream that was sold to us. Um, but really not for us. So mm. love it. Love it. It's this after doing this podcast, I want to watch it again and again, and I'm going to do it while I have some cake. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> turn it over to Jarrah. Honestly, I got nothing to say after that. I mean, that's real. One love birthday cake, my favorite kind of cake. Um, honestly, yeah. I mean, like I have nothing else to say. Like I'm happy this movie exists. I'm happy. Honestly, I'm happy you asked Shahira. You asked us to watch it because I am very scared that I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like I'm very scared I wouldn't mm-hmm. have. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I. It's so funny. I remember hearing about it in passing. Like maybe I was. I saw something online, but I didn't even, I didn't even investigate. Like I didn't even think about it being a movie. I didn't know if it was a movie or a mm-hmm. show or what. Like I just didn't think anything of it because I couldn't. I didn't. I never saw anything about it again until we looked for it. Um, so I'm just happy like we had to watch it. And I hope you know your listeners and people do take a look at this. And I hope that it does further these careers. I hope like mm-hmm. you know Channing gets to direct something new. I hope Nicole gets to do something new. Um, I mm-hmm. hope uh, Alexis, Alexis gets to do something. Uh, you know, again, I have nothing new to say. It's just I'm just very refreshed by this movie yeah. and excited by it. So mm-hmm. there we go. Well, this has been uh, hopefully not the only podcast about the film <laughs> Miss Juneteenth. Uh, Jira, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, this was a lovely time. Thank you. Thank, for you. Us. thank you, guys. Where can folks, uh, denizens of this interweb, find all of the wonderful things you both do? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I guess you can follow my IG where I post things that I do and also some woke shit. So if you don't like that stuff, don't follow me. Don't follow me. Don't follow me because I post woke stuff. Um, but it's, <laughs> You may it's, not want to listen to this podcast if you're yeah, not into yeah. that. True, true, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So actually, you know what it is? I'm speaking like the five people who unfollowed me because I posted things that were important that they probably need to hear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just at Rachel A. Edwards and it's R-A-C-H-A-E-L spelled like Michael Jackson to be exact. There we go. <laughs> wow. I think... Um, I've been telling people not to follow me because I think I personally need to take like a break from social media because uh, I think it's being very tough to like handle it. Yeah. So instead of following me, mm-hmm. what I've been saying on our podcast is, hey, man, reach out to your friends. Don't be asking your black friends about race in mm-hmm. America. Just ask how they're doing. You yep. know, I think I think that is the one that I can tell I would like people to do. don't follow me. Just reach out to people and be nice because I really think there's a lot of people right now who are stuck in this kind of quarantine era alone mm-hmm. um, by themselves. The world is literally burning around them. Mm-hmm. Just check in and make sure your friends are doing well because not everyone's going to reach out if they have a problem. So mm-hmm. do that instead yeah. of following me and like watch more movies like this. I like, you know, yeah. again, I'm happy you guys told us to watch this movie for me real too. because. It makes me really sad to be a person who is black, who is a creator, who watches movies, and I, I didn't know, I didn't know, I, I had no idea this movie existed until you. Yeah. Told but now me you do, it, and you have a podcast which you could tell people. As well. Oh, oh, oh! I am <laughs> definitely going to bring it up. I'm. It's funny because I'm like, we usually don't do movies that someone else is like. Now that I guessed on this, we wouldn't review it. But I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I would have 
guests come on and have them mm-hmm. just do it because I do think people need to know about it yeah. as much as possible. So yeah, and and it's the, lit. It, podcast rules are made to be broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, just, we are the only podcast about movies, right? Yeah, right? that is true. Yeah, that's true. She here right now is still in a closet. So that is true. For, every, for everyone at home, what? for as long as you've been listening to this podcast, she here has been in a closet. Yeah, standing. If you want to see evidence of people who are not doing well in quarantine? Yeah. You only need to see this video of Shahir with long hair, a scraggly beard, like twenty pounds overweight, like not doing well. In oh this please, he right looks now. great. Look, Lockdown got you looking good. Don't I'm worry. You say lockdown has got me. Like I am in shorts. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, fair enough. Shahir, I'm sweating. <laughs> Shahir, when you are uh, getting ready to cozy up uh, in your in your closet, uh, just getting real nice and toasty warm in your shorts, where can folks find you other than there? You can find me looking through my my wardrobe of old shirts that I haven't worn in a long time at my website, www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, maybe I should get you to dress in some of my worst shirts ever. Like, do you like this pineapple outfit you got Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a so funny I dress you like a Barbie doll. You can find oh. me wearing all of your shirts at the same time like over at the website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-A-G-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z, or on uh, uh, Instagram and PSN and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, please check out the works we're doing over on Extra Credits. We have, or we're doing our Exploring the Pacific, Shahir, a lot of uh, uh, stuff about Fiji coming up on, I think, episode three or four on that. <laughs> And actually, we are going to, uh, as I mentioned before, be doing a episode actually on the burning of Black Wall Street over on Extra Credits in our history series. Uh, and all of the proceeds, the YouTube proceeds for that will be going to the uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund. So please go check that out. That drops hopefully tomorrow, if not, or actually, no, by the time this comes out, it'll already be out. So check that out over on Extra Credits. Yes. You know, one thing we forgot to say we to check out? What's that? Our website, OnlyMoviePodcast.com, <laughs> and email us with your thoughts on Miss Juneteenth or any other movies that you'd like to discuss at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. There, I got it out of the way. I'm no longer needed. I'll just walk out the door now. Bye. There we go. Oh, Shut wait. I didn't, wait, I didn't say I forgot about my podcast because I'm not smart. Um, I forgot I had one I was going to say, but I was waiting for the right uh, moment. Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Uh, you can find us uh, reviewing movies that are black related or women of color related or people of color related um, on, you know, Forever Dog, Spreaker, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're old. We've been doing it for like five, six years. Mm-hmm. I'm old. I can barely walk to the mic anymore, but we're still here kicking, y'all. We're still I will here. say Black Man Can't Jump in Hollywood is legitimate in all the ways that we are not, but that doesn't mean we won't um, <laughs> be uh, putting ourselves out there every week. Well, here's a question. <laughs> Maybe we should get all of our podcast friends and have a nice podcast pageant. Oh, <gasps> with a cookout! Oh my gosh, so cute! And we could figure out all of the different. We could figure out there'd be an editing competition and a way to make it seem like uh, you know how to make yourself sound smarter than you are. I do that all the time. Uh, we could have all these different competitions. It'll be great. Listen, I'm with it. Can like, you guys honestly? wear dresses though? Yeah, like really nice dresses. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Like, for that. I'm not about those gender norms. Like, we can do what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> say what we want to say. Be who we want to be. The Adams family. All right, everybody. Are we doing the snaps? 
And if that doesn't sync all of our audios, I don't know what will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you all next week, everybody. Bye. Love and light. The Addams Family.